Yeah, so I don't know what your Mondays look like, but for me, three years ago, my Mondays turned from my day off, and they still are my day off, but they turned from my day off for myself to I get to watch my little girls. <laughs> and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Kinsley was born about three years ago. And like I said, I had a lot of time to myself, and then she was born, and I didn't. But she was a good sleeper, so I had a decent amount of time at those early stages. But I remember making a note or maybe posting on social media that I think on my first day alone with my daughter for the first time, I think I changed the most diapers I changed in my entire life in that one day. I set a record for the most diapers changed in a single day. <laughs> there we go. And uh, so, of course, that changed as she got older and we got to play more and do more things. But then number two came along a year ago. And uh, wow, that changed the ball game. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but number two has been tricky. I mean, if number one is trying to do something, has a schedule and a routine, you know, number two messes it up and, and vice versa, and it just, it just doesn't work out that great. And so number two made my Mondays watching the girls a little bit more difficult. But right now, my Mondays look like taking Kinsley, my, my oldest, to preschool and uh, loading Zayla, my, my second one, into the car and uh, then bringing Zayla home and getting her a bottle and hoping to remind, remember to feed her. And then uh, we play a little bit. Then we go pick Kinsley up at preschool again and bring her back home and have lunch. And then we play a little bit. And then it's time for a nap, which, as you probably know, doesn't always go that great. <laughs> and so um, we try. And then we play a little bit more. And then it's time to go to the rooster store. Does anyone know what the rooster store is? Well, it's the Wegmans grocery store right down, right near us at Real Cinemas here. There is a rooster that comes out on the hour. So like five or six o'clock on a Monday, you'll find me and Kinsley and Zayla watching the rooster come out of the wall and <laughs> do its thing. And we can't miss it. Like we can't go shopping without the rooster. So we got to make sure we <laughs> hit it on one of those hours. And then we come home, we make dinner, Alicia comes home and we have a little an hour or two to ourselves, right? <laughs> and that is my Monday. So, but Mondays, Mondays it might be my day off and my day with the kids, but Mondays oftentimes get a bad rap, don't they? I mean, Mondays, it's like the beginning of the work week that you don't want to go back to that work job, you know? It's the beginning of something, a new week, and you're just hoping that, well, I hope this week goes well. It's just... Oh, man, I just want to wake up. It's so hard to wake up on Mondays. But Mondays are different for everybody. Maybe you're fishing on Mondays, or we wish you were fishing. You're going back to that job that you just can't uh, stand. Or maybe your Mondays, you're at home with the kids, like me. Or maybe your Mondays are like every other day of your, of your life. You're just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. But I want to tell you today that you were made for Mondays. And really, you were made for every single day of the week. And every single day is an opportunity for you to take your next step in becoming the person God wants you to be and to do the things God wants you to do. And as a Christian, sometimes, maybe all the time, Sundays get the award for being the big day, the important day, don't they? And if you're not a Christian and you're joining us, you're engaging with us in some way, uh, you are so welcome here. 
Like there is no better place for you to be than right here, right now, asking questions, checking in, uh, doing whatever uh, it is that you feel most comfortable doing because we just think that this is a great place for you to be. And uh, so anyway, for Christians, Sunday seems to be the big day. And you get to go to church on Sunday. Woo! You get to open your Bible and hear from God on Sunday. You get to connect with other believers on Sunday. And, and Sundays are an important day. And this, what we're doing right now, is an important moment. But why can't we do all of those other things on other days? Like, why can't we hear from God and open the Bible on Monday and connect with other Christians on Tuesday and share our faith on Wednesday and pray on Thursday and worship God every single day of the week? I think that's what we could be doing. And by the way, you know you don't really go to church, right? Like, you are the church. We are the church, and we take the church with us wherever we go any day of the week. And so, one of my goals as a preacher, as a pastor, as a communicator is I want what you experience today, all the different aspects of the service, I want you to take it with you as you leave this place, as you go into your week, and take it with you every moment, every time that you have. So like on Monday, you'll remember something that you experienced today. And then on Tuesday, something might, you know, you remind yourself and, and you're trying to ask questions, you're wondering, you're, you're considering, what does this mean? And then on Wednesday, when you face a situation that you're like, wow, I, I can apply what I experienced on Sunday, what I heard from God on Sunday, I can put that into my life in this moment today. And that's, that's one, of my, one of my goals for, for us and for you. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Living a life that no matter what day of the week it is, God is with you and has something for you. He's called you and given you unique gifts and abilities to make a difference in your world. And he gives you the power to do it. He gives you the power to do it. That's an important part. So if you have your Bibles today, I encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, you'll see the verse, the first verse will be on the screen. Uh, but if you don't have your Bible, that's quite all right. You know, the verses will be up there. And then we also want to give you a free Bible if you need one or would like one. And we have them for you in the lobby. But the, the book of Romans was written by a guy, the apostle Paul in the 57 AD. And he wrote this letter to Christians in Rome. And Paul hadn't been to Rome yet, and he wanted to get there one day, and actually he eventually did, but he did as a prisoner, not the way that he expected to get there. And he wrote them this letter, and the first 11 chapters of Romans is like this deep theology about God, about the gospel, about all this good stuff, and we'll get to that someday, one day soon. But we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, okay, all this stuff I just told you is true. And because it's true, it changes the way that you live. And so he says this, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. All the stuff I just talked to you about for the last 11 chapters, all that stuff, I give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so God wants us to worship him every single day of the week. 
Actually, he wants us to die for him every single day of the week. Die to ourselves. Be a living sacrifice. Now, we don't use the word sacrifice in our culture today, don't we, that much? I mean, maybe when you give up dessert for a week, you're like, I'm sacrificing. Or, or, or when you don't go somewhere because you have to do something else, you know, you're, you're making a sacrifice. And, and yeah, there, that is a sacrifice. But what Paul has in mind when he says sacrifice is an animal sacrifice. And that doesn't really compute in our brains and our culture today. Like, why in the world would people, you know, kill or slaughter or sacrifice an animal to worship God? Like, that just doesn't make sense. And I, I agree, like, that, that is a little, a little strange. But it's the way that God had designed it. And I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, I was not around farms. I was not around animals very much. And when I came out to central Pennsylvania, uh, back when I went to college, about 10 years ago now, um, I was all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere in farm country, and I got to know some dairy farmers, and I got to know some other farmers and be around animals. And, like, you really love the animals that you have. And you name them, and you care for them, and you invest in them, you feed them, you, you, want, you know, all that stuff. And then just imagine... Like, you get to go to your little son and a little daughter one day, and you say, okay, like, we're going we're gonna to take Cupcake to the temple now, and we're going to sacrifice her. We're going to kill her. It's like, oh, oh, you know, like, there's so much more involved in this sacrifice, sacrifice, a sacrificial system than, like, maybe we would even be aware of just because that's not the world that we live in. But it's the world that God set up. He gave to Moses in the law of Moses. And, and he said that, you know, to sacrifice an animal in place of the people, for the people. An innocent animal died so that the people could be forgiven and could honor and have a relationship with God. And all of that was to point towards Jesus, who was the innocent God man, person, who would die so that we, the people, could have a relationship with God. See, it's all a part of the big story. But that's what Paul has in mind when he says sacrifice. It's the animal dying on the altar in the temple. And they did that until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. And so if that's what Paul has in mind, then what does that mean for us? Does he expect us to climb up on an altar every single day and, and have someone sacrifice us? <laughs> I don't think so. I think what he's saying is, metaphorically, is that we need to climb up on that altar every single day, every single moment, and to sacrifice ourselves, our, our, our desires, our, our sinful desires, our selfish desires, our pride, so that we can then live for God. And in this essence, this is what we're saying. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. I'm all yours on Sundays, and I'm all yours on Mondays. I'm all yours at work, and I'm all yours at home when I watch the kids. I'm all yours on vacation. I'm all yours no matter what. God, I'm all yours. And I just wonder, does this characterize your life? Are you all his, all God's? So what does this look like practically? 
Well, practically, Paul goes on and says this. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so, so many of us are asking this question, what is God's will for my life? It seems like everything I try doesn't seem to work out, right? Or what I'm doing, I just don't like it at all. What is God's will for my life? I think a great place to start and what God wants you to do with your life is to become the person God wants you to be. And see, it's not just about what you do on Sundays either. Like coming and being in a place like this is great. But I think God is even more concerned about what happens in your life the other 167 hours of your week than just the one that you might be in a place like this. And so we get so focused on what we are doing for God that we forget that God is more concerned oftentimes with who we are becoming. And so that's why he tells us not to just copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, a new person. So I think there's something inside of all of us that wants to be a new person, a better person. That's why we eat differently or we attend different groups and get involved in different organizations or we volunteer at different places. Like we, we want to find a little value, a little worth in our actions in what we do. But what God is saying is he wants to transform you, transform us by the, from the inside out, not just from what you do, but God wants to work inside of you. And how does he do that? Well, he does it by changing the way that you think. Have you ever thought about what you think about? Like maybe tomorrow at 10 o'clock, 10.36 a.m. tomorrow, just pause and say, what am I thinking about right now? And then ask yourself the question, is this more a product of what the world, what the culture has pressed me into? Or is this more about what God has placed in my heart and what he is transforming me with? What are you thinking about right now? Or what do we think about? So what does the world press or conform you into. I think right now a big message that is being sent is follow the rules. <laughs> Just do what we tell you to do. And then maybe at the same time we hear the message, have the experiences, you know, live it up. How about the, the message of, this is a big one, be afraid. Like be afraid of <laughs> everything. And then at the same time, you're like, I got to make money, right? Like that's a part of what all this is all we're supposed to do too. And how, where do we get these messages from? I think oftentimes they come from places like the news. And it's good to be up on the news, but I don't think we should be watching the news 24-7 all the time, allowing it to feed us all the time, all this information conforming us into what they want us to think and what they want us to do. And the same goes with social media. You know what that thing you scroll, you know, you're scrolling on that app. You know what they call that? Facebook calls it a news what? What's the word? A feed. 
Like that's, you're, you're feeding yourself all of that stuff. You're taking it in. You're thinking about it. You're embracing it. You're feeding yourself all that stuff. You're scrolling. And it's like, let's feed ourselves with something better than that. Let's feed ourselves with God's word, with what is true, what is pure, what is honorable, what is good, what is helpful. Like let's feed ourselves. Let's understand the word of God. Let's, let's pray. Let's think about what God is doing in our world and in our life. And let that change us from the inside out by changing the way that we think. And so, if you live like this, you will make a difference in the world. If you let God transform you from the inside out, you're not going to be conformed and just be like everyone else. Like, you're going to stand out. You're going to be different. And the fact that you are being transformed, you will then have the ability to transform and impact other people. You will make a difference in this world more than you could ever imagine. And so if you have this power and ability to impact you, it's helpful to know how you fit in to the bigger picture of what's going on. And so Paul says it this way, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. That's really hard to do. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have been many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So having an honest evaluation of ourselves is hard to do. It's really hard to do. But it's really helpful in seeing, knowing yourself so that you know where do you fit in with everyone else. And the image of the body that Paul uses in this verse is really, really powerful. And I love it right now in this stage of our church, and, and, I, and I see it continuing into the future, but it's like every new person that God brings here is a part of the body. And it's those that are already kind of connected. Like, it's so exciting to see and discover, like, who's this one going to be? You know, <laughs> are they going to be the hand and are they going to be the feet? Are they going to be the toes? Are they going to be the head? Like, how do they fit in? Like, what are their unique gifts and abilities that God has blessed them with? And how are they going to get connected with the body? Because here's the thing about the body is we need all of those pieces. You need all of those parts and they need to all function together. And so the better everyone works together, the better the body will be. And we need all of those different pieces. And one of the things that my goals and dreams and desires for this church, and what, one of the reasons we started this church, is that we don't want to conform you or, or press you into the mold of our church. <laughs> like, like we want to come alongside of you, the organization, the organism of the church, and support what God has been doing in you transforming you and to bring an organization, a group of people, a movement of people around you and say, yes, go do it. Let's get, let's get involved. Let's serve people. Let's love people. Let's do that. Share the gospel. Like that's one of the heartbeats of reasons why we started this church. So how do we know what God has placed inside of us? How do we measure ourselves? How do we know ourselves? Well, practically, I want to, we will have a group of people designed to do exactly that, where we can try and figure out what it is that God has done, placed in our life. And 
There's many ways to do it. There's many different assessments, many different tools that people use. And I, I, I think all of those tools are helpful to some degree. But in the scriptures, it says that God gives us these gifts for a purpose. And those purpose is to serve one another. And so if you've ever done something for someone and they've turned around and said, hey, thank you so much for doing that. That's probably a good indicator that that might be at least some level of a gift God has given you because you're using it to serve other people. And so other people speaking into your life, uh, confirming what they see is a huge way to know of what God is doing. And another way is to just try something. I mean, just do it, you know, just get involved, just show up and, and give it a shot. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, it's fine. There's something else for you to do. But sometimes the hardest thing to do is just try. And oftentimes you'll be amazed at what God does if we just say, God, like that kind of animal sacrifice, I'm available. Do with me what you want. And it's amazing what God does for people with that mentality. Now, uh, as I was studying the scripture this week um, in Romans chapter 12, uh, here in verse 3, it says, measuring yourself by the faith that God gives us. And I was trying to figure out what exactly that meant. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And so, uh, thankfully, seminary gave me some tools to go into the original language and, and look at some of that and look at some of the other translations that are out there. And I think a better way, at least for me to understand what Paul's saying here, is that God has given everyone a measure of faith. So everyone gets a measure, an amount, a, a perspective, an aspect of faith. So yes, even your faith is a gift from God. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then God comes to live inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives every single one of those followers of those people, a gift, a unique ability, a supernatural ability to serve and love other people. And so everyone has the same spirit. You know, I gave Dave the same, I was the giver of the gifts, right? But all the gifts that were given were different gifts. And so is there, there's a unity in the diversity. And so each one of us are unique in that way. Like, yes, it's the same God, same spirit, but he gives everyone unique abilities, unique uh, supernatural gifts and, and talents and ways they make a difference in the world. I mean, just imagine if everyone in the world was like me, how boring of a world that would be, right? Like there is a reason you are not like me. There is a reason you're not like other people. It's because every one of us is unique and has a unique purpose by God to do something only you can do. You connect with people that I don't connect with. Uh, you have gifts and abilities to, to impact people that just, I don't have. And that's the beautiful way that God brings us together to do what he is doing in the world. And that's what the measure of faith that God gives you. And Paul goes on to explain it in this way. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So God has given you a specific gift, a specific ability. 
And it's something that you do well. And God has given it to you because you're unique and it's your thing to make a difference in this world. And we as a church want to help you discover and develop and do that thing. So what are some examples of things that God gives us and gives to you? First, he talks about prophecy. Now, sure, prophecy is foretelling, like predicting the future. And that's an aspect of it. But here, I think Paul's saying it's more forth-telling. It's, it's, I have a word, I have a message, I'm going to proclaim it, I'm going to speak it, I'm going to share it, I'm going to preach it. And you know what? Preaching or teaching doesn't usually actually happen on a stage with a microphone. Like sometimes the best communicating gift can be used when you're in the break room at work and everyone's just sitting there chilling and relaxing. Like that might be the best time to use that gift of speaking and, and prophecy. Others, you have the gift of serving others, so serve them well, Paul says. Now, Jesus gave us an ultimate example of what this looks like to serve one another, right? I mean, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe comes, and he's leading his disciples, and then at the last supper, he, he gets down and, and does a servant's job and washes their feet. And so if the God of the universe can do that for those that are under him, then we too should be able to serve those that we lead or that are under us. We should be able to serve everyone. Paul goes on and says that some have the gift of encouraging others. I mean, everyone needs a little bit of encouragement these days, don't we? I mean, just a text message could really change someone's entire day, maybe their entire life. Like just to know that somebody cares, that someone's thinking about them, that someone's praying for them, like that makes all the difference in the world. It can really make all the difference. Some have the gift of giving. Now, as a church, one of our values is that we want to be a generous church. And what does that mean? Well, we want to plan to give our time and our talents and our money for other people. So it takes a plan, like it takes a, I got to sit down and I got to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? And so it's been amazing to see how God has made this happen already. I love with our setup team, I mean, getting here at eight o'clock in the morning, you're given of your time, you're generous with your time to, to come and, and do something. And that is a huge, huge thing. And then we've seen people be able to give these really unique and personal gifts that just show up in your life and it's just like, wow, like this person really pays attention to me and really cares about me. Like that has been really cool to see. And then of course, as people give their financial gifts and to fuel the mission of the church, like that has been incredible to see as well. We wouldn't be here in this beautiful facility if it wasn't for financial gifts of people like you and from people really all over the world. And so we're so thankful for that. But this gift of giving, like there is a part of this gift that God gives to certain people that you just have, they just have the ability to produce money. Like you just are good at it, right? You know what works to produce money. And then to see the gift of giving unlocked in someone's life 
It's like they take the money they're able to produce and they know why they're producing it and they're able to funnel it into the kingdom, into what God is doing, in through the church, in through different ministries. And it's incredible to see that gift being unlocked. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of leadership. And if you do, then Paul says to take that responsibility seriously. And we're going to talk all about this gift, this opportunity to influence other people next week. So you don't want to miss that as we talk about domino influence. And then some people have the gift of showing kindness. And so if that's you, do it gladly. Wouldn't it be awesome if this church, this place was known for being kind? Like, where do you see kindness in our world today? Like, if, if someone disagrees with somebody else, that person becomes the enemy, and they're treated like that. Like, what if we could just be kind, like, all the time, no matter what? It'd be awesome. Some of us have the gift of kindness. And so, hey, we've covered a lot of ground today, and uh, there's a lot in here, but I think the next couple of verses are an appropriate way to wrap our time up together today. And Paul says this, he says, don't just pretend to love each other, really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Wouldn't it be great if these words characterized our community? Like what if we walked into the DMV and you just felt the love? <laughs> what if you went into your local grocery store and you felt honored to be there? What if, what if your clients at work were patient with you when your part of the project was just a little late? <laughs> what, what if your coworkers weren't lazy and they actually did their job that they were supposed to? What if you were in need and other people were just showing up, giving you all this stuff, meeting every need you had? And what if you always had a place to hang out? Because people were just inviting you over all of the time. Like, wouldn't you want to live in a place like that? Wouldn't you sign up for that? <laughs> I mean, I, I think everyone would. But see, if it was that easy, we'd all be living there right now, wouldn't we? We'd all be, wherever that place was, we'd all be showing up there. But the key to creating this type of community that I think everyone wants is that it's got to start with you. It's got to start with me. So like you might not feel loved when you walk into the DMV, but you can love every single person in that place, right? And you might not feel honored to shop at your local grocery store, but you can honor every single person that is shopping with you and the people that work there. You know, your clients, they might not be patient with you when you're delayed on your project, but you can be patient with them when they change their mind for the 20th time, right? You, you might not have coworkers that work really hard, but you can, and you can set the example for them.
It's always great to be helped when you're in need, but sometimes the best place to get help is to be the ones that give it first. And it's always nice to be invited over to someone's house and feel their hospitality, but sometimes it's got to start with an invitation from you. And so, God has created you and designed you to do something only you can do. And he wants all of you to follow him. Not just on Sundays, but every single day of the week. And when you do that, you will make a difference in the world around you. And the way that you make a difference is that you're not like everyone else. You're not conformed to the pattern of this world, but you're transformed. You're being changed from the inside out. And as you do that, you go out and impact everyone else around you. And when we do that, we'll know ourselves. And we'll know the special role that we play in creating this attractive community that I think everyone wants to be a part of. And so I invite you today, live this way. Live this way. Now you might think, (laughs) I've tried that before. (laughs) It's not that easy. And to which you might be right. Well, let me just ask, when's the last time you've been in a brand new church? (laughs) This is the third service of a brand new church. Like what better opportunity do you have than right here and right now to create the type of community that everyone wants to be a part of? Because we're allowing God to be in us and work through us and help us to serve and reach our friends and our neighbors and our community in a way that maybe we have never experienced before. I think this place with all of you and because all of you is the best chance that we've got to really live the way that God wants us to live. Loving everybody, honoring everybody, serving everybody, and we don't just do it on Sundays, right? (laughs) We do it on Mondays, And we do it every single day of the week. Would you close in a word of prayer with me? God, we just thank you so much that you have brought us here right now to this place together. Lord, you are putting the body of Christ together here at Connect Us Church. And Lord, we want to be a part of every moment of it. And we want to accept and love and welcome people. We want to discover what you've gifted them to do. And then we want to come around them and fuel them to make the difference in their world as only they can make. And so God, I pray that you would be with each one of us, that no matter what we're doing today or or tomorrow, that God, it's hard, I mean, it's easy to say, it's hard to live out. But God, help us to die to ourselves and give all of who we are to you. Lord, I pray that if there's one person here today that just feels like, I got, I got another percent to give, you know? Like, I might be given 95 or 30% or whatever. And I feel like I've given that to God. Lord, if we could just take 1% closer to being all in, all for you, Lord, I just pray that you would help them take that step. Help me take that step to say, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. How do I live for you? How do I serve you and serve other people today? 
Help us to do that this week. 